Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. With me today is Dr. Jim Barnes, Chief of Staff at Christus Highland Medical Center. We're going to be talking about bariatric surgery today. So if you have a question regarding bariatric surgery, please call the number you'll see on your screen throughout the show. It's 318-219-4569. And so we can hear your question, just make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned all the way down so we can be sure and hear what's going on and Dr. Barnes can answer your question. Dr. Barnes, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, I appreciate it. So let's talk about bariatric surgery. Let's do that. All right. Um, do you want to start with the different kinds or like we know it's weight loss surgery and we just had a review talking about it. You want to explain briefly what that means? Yeah, and sure. So um, uh, bariatric surgery, you know, again, it means the same thing as weight loss surgery. And this is, this is a treatment for morbid obesity. And we define morbid obesity as about 90 pounds or more over your ideal body weight, which is a very thin weight if you've looked at those numbers before. Um, and so people that are, are at least 90 pounds or more overweight are, are generally going to be a candidate for, uh, for bariatric surgery. And what we found is when you get to that, that weight range, into that morbid obesity range, uh, people just don't do very well with diet and exercise. I mean, you know, uh, you can lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, that sort of thing, but, you know, a month or two later, tends to want to come right back and usually comes back plus a few more too. And so what we've learned is that is that really the only successful treatment for morbid obesity is surgery uh, for the vast majority of people. Uh, people. The failure rate is just, is just really high without surgery. But with surgery, people do really well and we see a really high success rate. 80, 90% of people are, are gonna keep this weight off you know, for the rest of their life. And we were talking earlier too that by the time they get to you, they really have tried everything that they can, yeah, and they think I, there's no way. And they'll come and talk to you like I've tried it all. Yeah, and exactly. There you are. And and um, it, you know, everybody gets to that at a different time in their life uh, when they finally you know realize that what they're doing is not working. Uh, usually, by the time they come see me, they've gone through a hundred different diets and and you know lost hundreds of pounds, but then again just gained gained it back over time. And so, uh, you know, they come to me and they, you know, they sort of, sometimes they're a little bit uh, leery of anything new because they've failed, you know, with everything else they've tried. Um, and, and so it's kind of fun to say, well, you know, you haven't tried surgery and this is, this is, you know, you've been doing all this stuff, but it's not the right treatment for morbid obesity. And so we start talking about, you know, surgical options and the, uh, the results that we see with that. And we're going to talk more, too, about the robotic surgery, just the way you do this. Yeah. But also, do you want to talk for us about the different types of yeah, surgery? Yeah, let's go over the operations, and then okay. we can uh, talk about how we do these operations, too, okay, which great. has gotten really interesting here in the last couple of years. It really so. is. I'm glad we have time to talk about that today yeah. because it's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So um, if we look at the operations, and I brought some pictures here that we can kind of kind of look at because I think it's easier to, to see this sometimes than it is just to uh, talk about it. So um, I've got a picture here of a gastric bypass, and so this is the first of the two operations that we do for weight loss surgery. And so uh, with this operation, uh, there's two parts to it. The first part is a stomach stapling where we staple off a small stomach pouch here. We're going to separate it from the rest of the stomach. So now this functions as your stomach after surgery. It's very small. It's about the size of a large egg. And that's going to limit how much food you can take in at one time. And then we come down here, we divide the intestine down here, and we bring this end up and we hook it up to that stomach pouch, and then this reconnects down here. So now when you eat, the food goes down into that small stomach and then goes down the intestine. So it's going to bypass the stomach and the first part of the small intestine. So the result of that is that you don't absorb the food quite as well. So therefore, you don't get as many calories out of a given amount of food. So it kind of works in two directions. It's got the restrictive component with the small stomach, 
and then the malabsorptive component with the bypass where you don't get as many calories out of the, uh, the food that you're eating. So that's what a gastric bypass looks like and then let's look at a sleeve gastrectomy which is the other operation that we do for weight loss. Um, and the sleeve is a newer operation, it hasn't been around as long, and bypass has been around for about 50 years so we have a long track record with that. Uh, the sleeve has been around about 10 years so we don't know quite as much about this operation. Um, and, and the sleeve is a slightly smaller surgery than the bypass and so what we do with this is we take the stapler and staple right up here and then we're going to actually remove all of the stomach. So we take out about two-thirds of the stomach. We're going to leave a little narrow tube of stomach. That's the sleeve part. Think of like a sleeve on a long sleeve shirt. Uh, so we're downsizing the stomach and so people can't eat as much food at one time. And then the other thing that both these operations do for most people is they decrease their hunger level, their appetite, and it usually goes down uh, pretty significantly for most people. And most people that's a long-lasting effect as well and so that's part of how it also works. Um, so that's what the sleeve gastrectomy looks like. Now, do these surgeries, do they also teach the body to use the food in a different way? Because there's more to it than just eating smaller meals. Um, it, it's, with the sleeve, it basically is smaller meals. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're taking in fewer calories. Now with the bypass, uh, with the gastric bypass, when we're, we're decreasing the absorption of some of the food, right. then it does change that a little bit. And, and uh, um, the metabolism itself doesn't really change a lot, but the amount of calories that are getting into the body does. Right, okay. So, and is everyone, are these, even right here, it's individualized even more. So who's a candidate for which surgery? How do you decide which one is Yeah, and so that's part of what we do. We were talking uh, on the last segment about, um, you know, we do a seminar every, every Tuesday morning, and that's kind of step one for people that are interested in the surgery. And they, you know, call them, sign, we'll sign them up for a seminar. And we spend about 30, 40 minutes together in a small group, just kind of going over some of the stuff that we've been talking about here. And then I'll meet with people individually, and we go through their medical history, do a physical exam, um, and then based on that, I can sort of help guide them in terms of which way they want to go with this. And so we come up with an individual treatment plan uh, for each person, and I'll, you know, usually kind of steer them one way or the other, uh, especially if they're not quite sure which way to go. Um, you know, for the most part, the ultimate decision is with the patient. Now, occasionally, I will not offer you know one or the other operation for various you know medical reasons uh, if I don't think it's the right thing to do. But most of the time, you know, the final decision is up to the patient. But we definitely give them some direction and guidance there too. Okay, so you want to talk about robotics now and how yeah, the surgeries sure. are actually? Yeah. Actually so done. I, this has been you know something really exciting you know, recently in terms of, of how we do these operations. And, and there's sort of been a whole evolution, uh, you know, with, with how these surgeries are done. Um, initially, as with all abdominal surgery, it was done through a big incision. I mean, just made, you know, an incision about this long up and down in the belly. Um, and that's actually how I learned to do these. You know, I've been doing these for over 25 years now. And so when I first started, that's what we did. And everybody got a great big incision on their belly. Um, and then in the mid to late 90s, we started doing these laparoscopically, where we could do it through the smaller incisions. And, uh, and that was a huge improvement, you know, from what we were doing before with the open surgery. Uh, but what we've, we've started doing now the last couple of years is robotic surgery, which has been really uh, exciting. And I have to admit, I was a little skeptical with it at first, you know, because we had, you know, really great results with the laparoscopic surgery. Um, but but uh, they've gotten even better with the robotic surgery now. And so what that means, and, you know, people sort of think of, you 
know, robots up there doing the surgery, and it's not really that exactly. So instead of me standing at the table, moving the instruments around on a patient, we've got the robot at the table, and the robotic arms are attached to the instruments that go inside the patient and are moving around. And so I'm still controlling everything, though. So I'm over in the corner of the room, sitting at a console, I'm still in the room, uh, and then with hand and foot controls, I'm controlling the robotic arms. And so what that does is it gives us a lot more precision. You know, we can do very fine movements now that, that, that we could not have done if I were standing at the table. Uh, and uh, uh, so it gives us a lot more precision during the surgery. And what we're finding for the patients afterwards uh, is that it's much better for them as well. And so um, uh, we've shortened the hospital stay. Most of these operations now, they just spend one night in the hospital. And we've even done some as an outpatient. Uh, and go home the same day after after that, um, and uh, but usually just you know overnight at the most in the hospital. Uh, the recovery is quicker now doing these robotically. People are usually back to work in about a week and a half or so. Um, much less pain afterwards uh, compared to the laparoscopic operation. So we're really seeing some nice uh, nice advantages uh, by doing them this way. And it's such an incredible way to get right to it. If someone is really ready to feel better and to get the weight off and just just do wonderful things with their body and their, their frame of mind, they can start immediately like that with hardly any, I mean, their journey starts immediately. So those that get to go home that day, yeah, it starts. It they're does. already there on it. And, you know, they see a, 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 it's, the weight loss is pretty quick right at first, too. And oh. so people lose about a pound a day initially after surgery and so they start seeing results almost right away and and you know it's fun seeing how you know people come back in for their two-week visit or their six-week visit and and you know it's like you know they're, they're like shocked that they've lost that much weight and that quickly because it's just so different than any other diet that they've ever done in the past. You know, and that's really sometimes just the big jump that someone needs because if you know they've tried everything and it's just been it's hard to convince someone you know who's trying to lose it without the surgery it's it's happening you're going to be okay if you don't see those instant results it's really hard yeah. to believe that all this work you're doing is really paying off and you are losing it your body is you may not see it on the scale but with this how encouraging is that to automatically start seeing it yeah, right away and, and it just allows them to do so much more stuff right away too yeah. you know like like you know exercising that sort of thing is so hard when you're overweight and and people just aren't really able to do a whole lot you know uh, uh, and then after the surgery and they start seeing a little bit of weight loss all of a sudden it's a little bit easier to get up and you know you know do some walking down the street or or go to a gym or whatever you want to do and so it just enables people to almost almost immediately to do a lot more than they were able to before surgery. And do you find, you probably find that, do you find it's more encouraging too to tell them that? It's not your fault. Of course you don't feel good going to the gym with the weight on. Right. But as you start losing some, you're automatically going to feel better doing moving. You're going to want to yeah. move. You're and going to and feel there's better. kind of two components to that too. Part of it's just the physical, you know, yeah. my knees hurt, I get out of breath when I try to walk on the treadmill, that sort of thing. Uh, but then there's also sort of the social or mental component, whatever you want to call that. I mean, you know, people don't want to go to the gym when they're morbidly obese and, you know, be around all these bodybuilders and things like that. It's yeah. just it's just uncomfortable, you know. And so uh, by, by getting a little weight loss going, a lot of people get really motivated. And I've had people get into like you know, weightlifting, bodybuilding, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff after surgery. Um, 
It must be encouraging too, like you just said. You see, a lot of people want to get back to what they were doing before. Like I was athletic before, and I gained all this weight, and I can. I used to play tennis, but someone may take up a whole new. They never knew they wanted to play golf or tennis. They never knew yeah. they were a good swimmer. They thought they were never going to be able to do it. So yeah. this gives people a whole new life. A lot of yeah, times. and you see all aspects of that. I mean, you, you know, we'll see people that have kind of struggled with their weight, you know, their whole life, even mm -hmm. as children and adolescents, and and you know, maybe we're never able to do a lot of that stuff ever, really. Um, and then we also see people that were very active at one point and, and you know, I've seen people that played college football and, and uh, you know, all this, you know, were in their younger years were very active with stuff and then as they got older or, you know, uh, we see with women a lot when they've had, you know, had children and, and, you know, there tends to be some weight gain with that and sometimes that's hard to get off. Uh, we see that, that scenario a lot and people just want to get back to how they remember themselves you know, in their younger days. Yeah, it's in, and have probably given up before they realized that this surgery was possible. And now with the robotics, how easy the surgery is and fast and low pain, low recovery, yeah. I mean. And it's still a big operation and yeah. that's part of what we talk about in the seminar. I mean, this is, you know, it's big surgery. There are some risks that go along with that and, you know, you know we don't just breeze over that. And when we talk about that in detail, uh, at our seminars and all of the potential things that can happen. Now, all those are very rare, fortunately, and, and you know, even if something like that comes up, it's usually something we can take care of. Um, um, but, you know, it is still big operations, but, uh, you know, most people just do so well afterwards. Again, especially now doing these robotically, you know, I, you know, when I first started doing these, if I would have, you know, I would have never thought that we could do these like outpatient surgery or just one night in the hospital, you know, to do these big abdominal operations uh, and then people are, you know, going home within 24 hours. It just, you know, seems crazy, but we, we see it all the time now. Yeah, and I think that's a good point to put, that we should talk about, that the surgery itself has not changed. It's still a big major surgery, what you're it doing is, to their yeah. system. It's just become much more efficient and easier for you to do it. Yeah, no. and it has evolved over the years. It's not exactly the same operation. Now, no. the sleeve's a lot newer, so it, it's basically what it was from the start for the most part. The gastric bypass um, has changed and evolved over the years. Like I said, it was started about 50 years ago, so the basics of it are still the same. We have, we have tweaked it a lot over the years. Um, but yeah, it's still, you know, it's still a big abdominal operation, even though it's done through, you know, five or six little tiny holes. So. Yeah, that's incredible yeah. to even think about. So for our viewers who are watching, we're reminded that they can call and talk to you directly. And the number is 318-219-4569, the bottom of your screen. So what are some of the questions that you get? If I, someone is sitting at home and they're like, I wouldn't even know where to start, what to ask. What are some of the things that you, the information they should bring you when they're asking you questions? And what do you think is the most important thing they should ask you? Well, they, um, you know, the, the most important thing that they need to bring is we just need to know everything about their medical history. And so, uh, you know, whether that's the medications they're taking, any surgery they've had in the past, uh, any, any significant medical issues that they have, because those are all, you know, a, a big factor. You know, one, you know, everybody has their own job, you know, when we're doing this thing. And so one of my jobs is to make sure that we're doing this as safely as we can. And so uh, a lot of that, is before the surgery, before we actually, you know, do any kind of operation, it's it's preparing on the front end. So we need to make sure that they don't have any medical issues that are going to be an issue either during or after surgery. Um, if they've got any heart issues, we'll frequently get them seen by a cardiologist to make sure all that's okay. If they have any 
breathing or lung issues, we'll get them seen by a pulmonologist to make sure that's okay. Uh, and so, you know, part of my job is kind of that initial screening and make sure that everybody is, um, uh, you know, that we're doing this as safely as we can. And that's good to know too. It's not necessarily a no uh, if they have these preconceived, these, these other conditions, right. yeah, but it's just like, let's look into it. Let's send yeah. you here so that you're sure you've done everything on your end. Yeah. And most it. of the time, you know, we're still able to, you know, work it out and get it done. Now, occasionally I will see a patient that I'll say, you know, you're just too high risk. You know, there's just too much, too much there. And I don't feel like it's safe to do that. And again, that's, that's something that I have to do to make sure that, you know, we're doing the right thing. And, and sometimes it's a, it's a real fine line, you know, because people that have a lot of medical issues have a lot of potential benefit from the surgery, but it also puts them in a little higher risk category. And so that's just something over the years that I've, I've you know, learned and worked on and, you know, sort of deciding who's going to be a safe candidate uh, for surgery. And, and, you know, sometimes they'll see a cardiologist, they'll get a stress test, they may even have a heart cath, all these things that you know, we, we do on the front end if there's any of those issues there. Okay. Is that some of the things that come up in the seminar? What all, what all is covered in the seminar? Yeah, so, um, so in the seminar we, we, um, we go through kind of three different areas. We talk about the, the op, you know, kind of the stuff we were just talking about, showing how these operations work and go through that. Uh, we, will, we do spend some time talking about the risk and complications that can occur with surgery. Um, and then we go through just kind of the nuts and bolts of it, the before and after steps. Because, you know, they, you know it's, it, there are some steps that we have to do before surgery, um, uh, you know, whether it's working on, you know, clearances from these other doctors. I do a scope on everybody before surgery to make sure there's nothing going on with their stomach that we need to be aware of. Um, we uh, um, do have people lose a little bit of weight before surgery, and so we talk about you know putting them on a diet and you know the, the ways that we can get that done. Um, um, sometimes the insurance company has requirements that we have to do, so we kind of go through all that, and then we go through the after stuff. You know what to expect, what's the surgery like, what's the what's the recovery period like, what's the diet after surgery. Let's talk about vitamins after surgery that you take. Uh, you know a multivitamin, and so. Uh, you know, we, we cover a lot of ground in 30 or 40 minutes, but, uh, wow. but we go over all that because I think it's important um, to have all that information. You know, when, you know, this is a big decision and this is, you know, and usually by the time they come to me, they have done a lot of reading on it. You know, you know, everybody's on the internet Googling all about <laughs> it. And so, you know, people spend a lot of time doing their own research on it, which, you know, most of the time is good, but sometimes you get into some crazy stuff on the internet and it's not really what we see and so uh, you know but usually people have kind of done their own research already but I, I, I think it's important to sort of separate the facts from the, the fiction with bariatric surgery and so that's what we try to do in the seminar so everybody has good information and then they can make that decision based on good information not on hearsay and things like that. Yeah, I think that's what happens a lot. We, we mean well, we may Google everything to find out because we want to get all of our information. We talk to friends, we call, yeah. we watch things, but or, sometimes... You know, what I'll see sometimes is people know somebody that had yeah. a weight loss operation. Mm -hmm. It may not even be any of these that we're doing. There's been a, a, a lot of other weight loss operations over the oh. years that we don't do anymore. Um, and they said, well, I know, you know, I had an aunt so-and-so that had this done and, and, you know, she had this problem. And so, you know, and, and you know, so we have to kind of look at that. Okay, well, what operation did she really have? Is that even what we're talking about doing here? And so again, we try to give people, uh, you know, the facts of the of the surgery so they can make an informed decision about what they want to do. 
Which is really a great way I'd like to have these conversations where our viewers can call in or they can pay attention, they can listen to what's going on here. It is kind of like, you know, busting the myths and kind of reminding people yeah. it's great to look, but sometimes if we're looking, we have that negative, you know, negativity bias in our head already pre-programmed and we'll forget. We may see a few risks and a ton of benefits, but in our brain, the risks stand out more yeah. than the benefits. But with the surgery, the benefits so outweigh any risk that could be. Yeah, they usually do, fortunately. Yeah. One of the things we've, I've seen, you know, again, I've been doing these for over 25 years now, so I've kind of seen a lot of this evolution in my career. Uh, and one of the things that I think is really nice is we're seeing the primary care physicians have really come around to supporting and recommending bariatric surgery. I remember when I first got into this, uh, a lot of the primary care doctors were not you know, very enthused about it. And I think part of that was because they had seen some of the older operations and maybe some of the problems that came, came about with that. Um, and so it's been nice to see over the years how that's really turned. And so now I get a lot of my patients are referred now by their primary care doctors because they see, you know, how people do and how, you know, people getting off of, you know, most of their medications and things like that, people just getting much healthier. Uh, after surgery, and so um, I like that that people are, you know, you know, doctors even are starting to realize that, and most most primary care doctors now, you know, realize all the you know the benefits and are very very supportive of it. Yeah, that's got to be really encouraging. I know it is for me to hear that that the whole medical network and community support this yeah. and send people when you see that it's another option because as a primary physician, I would think, oh good, I have another option. I'm looking at this patient yeah. who is just really wanting to feel healthy and she's tried everything or he's done everything. Yeah. Now you can say, you know what, you might be a candidate to I'll go to Dr. The other Barnes. group we see a lot is um, from orthopedic surgeons. You know, oh, people come yeah. in and they have, you know, trouble with their knees and, and their hips and, you know, their back and all this stuff uh, because of their weight. And so um, a lot of these people you know, they need knee replacements. That's probably the most common thing that'll that'll come to me from orthopedic doctors. But they won't do their surgery if they're morbidly obese. They won't do a knee replacement because the surgery's uh, higher risk, and the the artificial knee joints just don't last that long when they're overweight. And so um, the the orthopedic doctors will send them to me. We'll talk about the surgery, do, do an operation on them, get them to lose a significant amount of weight, and then nine, 12 months later, then they can go back to their orthopedic surgeon and get whatever they need done where they can do it safely and have the good long-term results with that. And we sometimes even see, you know, people come in with, with, with needing their knees replaced, they have the surgery, they lose 100 pounds, and all of a sudden they don't need their knees replaced anymore. Just taking that weight off of them uh, provided enough relief that they don't end up even needing the surgery that started the whole process. <laughs> That's another mm -hmm. thing to think about. We always talk about how this changes our lives so much, you and I, when you're here, and that that's something you might not even think about. You have this one goal, that's kind of the carrot on the stick. I'm going to do this so that I can have knee surgery, yeah. and it turns out after having this, you don't even need the knee surgery because the weight helped you get healthier without yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I like it when that happens. I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, I would too. That What a wonderful way to cancel out, you know, more surgery and more going right. in. Right. That, and, and which really speaks a lot about how it's all needed, we all need it, but the, the weight that we're carrying around, we just have no idea what taking that off can really improve. Yeah, and you know, people, I, I, the example I like to give people, because it's hard to really 
think about what all this is doing to your body. But you know, if you picture somebody that you know, we're going to get to lose 90 pounds, which is you know a common number that we'll see. You know, imagine putting two 45-pound bags of dog food on your back and carrying that around 24/7. And that's what these people are doing. I mean, that's that's 90 pounds. You know, two great big bags of dog food, always strapped to your back, <laughs> day and night, all the time. And imagine what that would be like. And people, you know, you think of that, it's like, well, that nobody could do that. But that's what these people are doing that are overweight. And it just, it just takes a toll on you over the years. You know, and the people that I see that are in their 20s and 30s are usually relatively healthy because you can kind of get away with it for a while. But when you start getting into your 40s and 50s, it really kind of catches up with you over time, and and that's when the health issues come in, the the you know the knee pain, and you know all that stuff starts creeping in. Then it's really true. When you put it into perspective like that, and you think about that, you wouldn't even you wouldn't carry both of those 45 pound bucks from the car to you right. know where you yeah. keep your dog food. You could, yeah, you couldn't even get them both in the house together. Yeah, so. but you could be carrying that around on your body and yeah. the wear and tear on your bones and your muscles and your heart and your mm -hmm. organs, everything. Yeah. It's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really good because I like talking to you it, and I've heard people either when they call in or sometimes they'll call me, I'll run into someone who has seen the show and they talk about how when they're watching this, they don't feel the the shame and the, the blame and the guilt because we can do that. We can shame others and we can also feel so much shame on ourselves when we get that heavy. And we yeah. sometimes we don't even know how I've heard people get to that point. They woke up one day and go, I don't know how I got this way. Yeah. And so getting through that. And people come in with that a lot and we really try to try to get get them off of that line of thinking and and I mean I get it I mean you know when you you know tried to lose this weight all your life and have had so many failures with it um, it is frustrating and and part of that also is just the bias there is in the world towards people that are overweight and and um, um, and so people uh, do have a lot of guilt and shame about that when they come in and what I always tell them is that you know it's not this is not a a moral failure this is not anything like that this is just you have a disease called morbid obesity and we have a treatment for that disease but you haven't tried it yet you know you've done a diet you've you've walked you've gone to the gym you know you've done all these things that don't work for morbid obesity and so it's a disease just like anything else is just like diabetes or colon cancer or heart disease you know those diseases have a specific treatment that works for them and that's the same thing with morbid obesity. And so when they come to me, okay, yes, you've got this disease, morbid obesity, we've got a great treatment for it, but you haven't done it yet. And so of course you haven't had the results that, that you want. And yeah, I think when you, fret, when you, you, know, when you put it that way, it, it, you know, we try to really kind of get rid of that guilt and shame because that doesn't help anybody. And this is, you know, the, it, it, this makes it, I think, easier to, to, to swallow. Yeah, well, just one more thing you do for the people who come to you with with this and you're right it's a it's a disorder it's a disease and not label yourself as an overweight person right. you're a person with an overweight issue or with this yeah. disorder or disease that you can go and get help yeah it's not just a, a life sentence and and I'll, you think a lot of people also kind of look at their family heritage maybe they're the ones a lot of people in their family are overweight so mm -hmm. they just think they are too they don't want to be that one that loses the weight or does something about it uh, maybe we have people who are talk them out of it or you know you probably have a lot of you probably see a lot of family yeah, there's people. a lot of family dynamics yeah. with this because it'll be, I mean it's it's a familial disease in a lot of ways and and uh, for two reasons I think some of you know part of obesity is genetics I mean some people are just more 
prone to gain weight than others, I, and I really believe that. I think you could put 100 people on the exact same diet, and some will lose weight, some will gain weight, and some will stay the same. And so I think you know genetics or metabolism or whatever you want to call that is a role, and so that's definitely got a familial component to it. But it's also the eating patterns that you learn with your family and eating you know dinner together and snacking together and you know, all that, and so that's part of it too. So um, we do see, and what's fun is we see, I do a lot of families, and I'll, I'll operate on a, husband and wife together or you know we'll do one member you know you get the brave one that comes out and does it first and then all the others start seeing how much weight they're losing and how well they're doing and then the the others kind of start trickling in after a little while too and but you know before you know it, we've done four or five members of the same family together you, know? <laughs> you probably have families who feel like you're part of their family that's you, right you've helped that's them right. so yeah, much and a another. lot of them and you know and we follow these patients long term and so a lot of these people we you know we really get to know and and you know get to know the whole family like that. That's really encouraging. Really nice. It must be really nice for you to see that happen, yeah, that dynamic. Fun. I like that. Yeah. Well, what's something else? We have just like a few more seconds, I think. We can tie it up. Is there anything else you'd like to mention to our viewers while they're watching? Yeah, I think I think just uh, you know, like we said earlier, you know, if 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 you're contemplating doing the surgery, I mean, you know, call the office and we'll look into it. And the way it works, you know, you call the office and I'll throw that number out. It's mm -hmm. it's uh, 318-798-4433. Uh, you can also get on our website, which is highlandclinic.com, and if you go under providers and click on my name, I've got some videos and stuff on there. Um, but you know, call the office. We'll check and make sure you have insurance coverage for it, and most insurance companies do cover it. Uh, get you scheduled for a, for a seminar appointment, and then uh, kind of go from there. But you don't have to be committed to what you're. You know, to make the call, you just have to be interested and and uh, want more information. I think that's a really nice thing to, to make the call. You just have to be interested. Yeah. To, yeah just ask yeah. for the information, ask all the questions. Well, Dr. Barnes, thank you so much, as always. It's been such a pleasure. I could talk to you all day. So <laughs> thank you so much, and we'll see you again next month. All right. All thanks, right. Terry. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time on Healthline 3.